I want to talk to you about two groups of people. There's two different groups of people that uh, a, a, a lot has been written about lately, uh, especially over the last year. Uh, they are the nuns and the duns. Now, when I say nuns, I'm not talking about N-U-N-S, nuns. I'm talking about nuns, N-O-N-E-S. Let me first talk to you about the nuns for a minute. Nuns are people, N-O-N-E-S, the nuns are people who uh, claim no religious affiliation whatsoever. Uh, they didn't grow up going to church. Uh, they didn't grow up uh, in a church. Uh, they, uh, they are sometimes called the unchurched, uh, that they don't have a church family to which they belong. They are the nuns. They, on a box, if you had a list of things, you know, are you Protestant, Catholic, are you, uh, you know, uh, Presbyterian, Baptist, are you Christian? They, or are you none of the above? They would check off the none of the above. Um, in fact, in a lot of these situations, a lot of these circumstances, it's people who've never gone to church, and their parents never went to church, and their grandparents never went to church. Uh, this is a large segment of our population, especially those of the millennial generation, uh, those who are younger, uh, about under the age of 30 or so, who uh, claim no religious affiliation at all. They may be spiritual, uh, but they have no religious affili affiliation. Okay, they'll even say that. I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. How many of you ever heard somebody say that? How many of you have ever said that? <laughs> I'm spiritual, but not religious. Okay, uh, those folks uh, are sometimes called the nuns or the unchurched. Second group of people I want to talk to you about is the duns, the D-O-N-E-S. Now, these are people who have gone to church, uh, in fact, who have been very involved in church, have gone to church for many years. And what they have said is, I'm done. They've quit going to church. They say, I don't want to go to church anymore. I don't want to be a part of a church. They hate things like, quote unquote, organized religion, which I've never seen, by the way. There's no such thing. as It's the most disorganized thing you've ever seen in your life. Organized religion. But they say, I, I, I don't want anything to do with the church. I, I've, I've served in the church. I've worked hard in the church. I've given my life to the church. And I'm disillusioned with it. I'm tired of the church. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm done with church. How many of you have ever felt that way? It's a, you don't have to raise your hand, but if you have felt that way, you can raise your hand. It's okay. I, I want you to know that if you are one of those two groups of people, if you are part of the nuns and you're here this morning going, man, that hits me right, right here. I feel that way. Uh, like I, I, don't, I don't know that I have any faith at all. It's okay. You're in the right place. Because here at GFCC, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to believe all the right things. You don't, if you're looking for answers, if you're looking to find a place where you can just be accepted and welcomed and loved, and, and, and that's what we do here. We're here we, we want to uh, extend that invitation, that welcome to you, that we love you, God loves you, and wherever you are in your journey of faith, this is a safe place to keep going. We just encourage you to do that. Keep seeking, keep growing, keep learning, keep seeking after God. This is a safe place to do that. We want you to know you're safe here. No one's going to look at you and say, what's the matter with you? What's wrong with you? Why don't you have your act together? Why don't you have this stuff figured out? That's not what we do. Here at GFCC, our mission statement is very simple. We are helping people follow Jesus. So wherever you are in that huge spectrum of following Jesus, whether you're not following Jesus and you're trying to figure out who Jesus is, or you're a fully sold-out, surrendered follower of Jesus Christ, wherever you are in that continuum, you're safe here, and you're welcome here, no matter what. Okay? All right. 
Now, if you're a part of the other group, you're not welcome. No, I'm kidding. If you're one of the duns who says, I'm done with church, you're welcome here. Now, you're probably not listening to my voice if you're done with church, because then you're not here. But if you are here and you're saying you're just about done with church, I want you to know you're safe here to say, I'm just about done with church. Because we want you to know that uh, though you say, you may think, you may believe, you may say, I'm done with church or I'm just about done with church. Well, we want to help you uh, get to a place where church is cool and fun again. Because I, I, I tell you what, folks, I love the church. I've given my life to serving the church, and I love the church. I love everything. I, I love almost everything about the church, and uh, I, I love you guys. And I want to be, uh, I want GFCC to be a church where people can come and they can feel safe and they can feel welcome and they can feel like, you know what, I'm growing in my faith again. I'm excited to be a part of a church again. I'm glad to be a part of GFCC. And that's what we want you to do is to become a part of us, to be part of our family. Because let's face it, sometimes in our families, we feel the same way. You know, sometimes it's like, I am done with family. Now, how many of you, two days removed from Christmas, said, I am done with family? Yeah. <laughs> Had enough. Had enough family. <laughs> Christmas is 362. Four days away, leap year next year, 364 days away, and it can stay that far away as far as I'm concerned. No, when you're part of a family, sometimes you do get a little frustrated, you get a little tired of family, sure. And sometimes we do the same thing at church. Sometimes it's like, you know what, I'm frustrated with church. And a lot of people are. They're frustrated with the rules and the regulations and the rituals of church. They feel like it's empty and cold. I hope you never feel that way about it here. And if you do, we got to have a talk. we got to find out, okay, why do you feel that way? Is it something that we're doing that we can change up to, to make church more meaningful? Because church is not just a building. In fact, a building is the furthest thing away from the definition of a true church. It's not a building. It's not a service. Uh, it, church is not the service. The church is the people. It's us. We are the church. And so... People may be saying, you know what, I got no religious affiliation at all, or I'm done with church, or you may be somewhere in the middle just saying, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with being in church and stuff, but I, I feel like there's got to be more to church than just coming and, and well, as one blogger put it, uh, just coming and plopping, praying, and paying. Because for a lot of people, that is their Sunday morning experience. I plop, I pray, I pay, and then I'm gone. You know, it's funny, we had a, a Griffith, high school community choir uh griffith high school choir concert here a couple weeks ago and uh the griffith uh choir director called me up and she said we'd like to have a choir concert at your church i'm like okay <laughs> why and she's like well i want to get more people in the community to come great that's awesome that'd be fantastic how many kids are in the choir 85 okay we haven't tested the stage yet <laughs> for 85 people <laughs> i said and we only got 183 seats. I said, so it's like doing the math and like every kid brings two parents. And uh, are you sure you want to do this here? Yes. Okay. Great. So uh, they had the Griffith High School Choir come over here and they had a hot chocolate bar and they're all hanging out all over the church building. This is really cool. I'm like, this is great. We got all these kids in here uh, and some of them don't go to church at all. And maybe they'll see what it looks like here. The, a lot of these folks had never been in this building at all. They even told me, I've never been in here before. I said, well, you're here now. You should come see us on a Sunday morning because it's great. So 
uh, I'm, I'm, standing on, I'm standing right over there, uh, over by where Greg Rothschild's sitting, and I'm standing right there, Greg's waving his hand, I'm standing there just kind of looking and, and watching all these kids interact and stuff, I'm like, this is really cool. All these teenagers here hanging out. And I'm looking through the glass, and I see a, a little, uh, not a little boy, but I see a teenage boy talking to a teenage girl. And the boy says something, I must have said something to the effect, as he's pointing to the offering plates, going, what are those? And I see the girl talking, and she mouths the words, she says the words to him, uh, those are offering plates. And he's like, what? She's like, yeah, you have to pay to come here. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. Jesus already paid. Everything's paid. Everything's free. It's all free. Jesus paid it all, right? That's how the song goes. We wrote a song about it. Jesus paid it all. But how many people have that, that notion that all you do is when you've gone on a Sunday morning, you wake up, you get the kids dressed as fast as you can, you come, you plop down in your chair, you say a prayer, you pay your offering, and you leave. Plop, pray, pay. It's not what church is. It's not what church should be about. shouldn't be about that at all. It should, should be about giving your life to something greater. It should be about serving Jesus and loving God and loving others and spreading the gospel. Remember that? Just because we don't say it anymore doesn't mean it ain't true. It's what we're called to do. Love God, love others, spread the gospel. Help people follow Jesus. It's what we're all about. And so, wherever you're at on that wide continuum of faith, you're welcome here. And a lot of people have been writing a lot of things about the death of the church, how the church is dying, that the church isn't going to make it, that the church in America is dying. And, and there's some statistics that are really scary. About 20% of people attend church on a regular basis. 20% of Americans. That's it. Now, 20% of Americans attend church on a regular basis. Four, um, let's see, 2.7 million people right now are thinking about leaving their church. 2.7 million. 4,000 churches will close their doors this year. 4,000 churches will close their doors. They'll worship for the last time, close the doors, and sell the building. 4,000. So yeah, there's some scary statistics. You want another one? Half of pastors... Over half of pastors right now said that they would quit their job if they had another job lined up. They would quit the ministry if they had another job lined up. I am not one of them, just so you know. You're like, darn. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not going anywhere. You're stuck with me. Sorry. Um, but over half of pastors are burned out on ministry. And they'd say, I would quit tomorrow if I had something else I could do. So yeah, there's some scary statistics out there. But you know what, folks? I believe that the best days of the church are ahead of us. And I'm not just talking about GFCC. I'm talking about the church. Because I believe that the Bible teaches us that nothing will prevail against Christ's church. That this is Jesus' church. This is not Sean's church. I'm a part of it, but it's not Sean's church. It's not the elders' church. It's not the deacons' church. It's not even your church. It's our church, but it belongs to Jesus Christ. His name is on, the, is on the side. First Christian church, his name is right in there, Christ. It belongs to him. This is Jesus' church. And we want to serve him and love him and grow in him more and more each day. To become more like him. 
So this is Jesus' church, and nothing is going to defeat Jesus' church. They can write the epitaph, they can write the obituary, they can write the eulogy, but it's never going to have a funeral. Now, does that mean the church is perfect? No, it does not. It's made up of imperfect people. If you're looking for the perfect church, don't go, because you will mess it up. Think about it. If you're looking for the perfect church, you're not going to find it. This church is made of imperfect people. But Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, can transform a community of believers and can transform us into a community of, uh, and a family of faith that will love its community and love one another and change lives for God's glory. I have hope for the church. And let me tell you why. Grab your Bible, and we're going to look briefly at a passage in Matthew's Gospel. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 694. So if you didn't bring your Bible, or if you want to look it up on your tablet or on your phone, if you've got a Bible app, you can do that. Or if you want to grab one out of the chair in front of you, it's on page 694. We're going to look at Matthew 16, verses 13 through, through 20. We're going to look at verses 13 through 16 first, then we'll look at verses 17 through 20. As we talk about how the church awakens. See what I did there? It was the movie that came out, made billions of dollars. Anyway, haven't seen it yet, no spoilers. Going this week, very excited. But look at... Verse 13 with me. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, Caesarea Philippi was a city in a Gentile-controlled area. It was not the, the people of God. It was a pagan city. In fact, they had a, a, a temple there uh, to worship Caesar. Okay? So we're not talking about like a real uh, religious area as far as the people of God are concerned. Uh, it is a Gentile pagan area. Yet, in this Gentile pagan area, one of the greatest statements of faith is ever made. Who do people say the Son of Man is? Son of Man is a designation that Daniel gives to the Messiah, uh, and Jesus claims it as his own. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, they said, maybe you're John the Baptist. And John the Baptist had been killed. He had been beheaded by Herod. And Herod believed that Jesus, when he heard about Jesus and the miracles he was doing, he believed that Jesus was the resurrection of John the Baptist. In fact, in Matthew 14, 1 and 2, it says this. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the reports about Jesus, and he said to his attendants, this is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Now, of course, Jesus was not John the Baptist. Jesus was Jesus, the Son of God. And that's exactly, and, and so some people said, uh, Herod said that this is John the Baptist. Others said he was like the prophet Jeremiah or, or the prophet Elijah, the prophet Jeremiah or one of the other prophets that Jesus' ministry was a very prophetic ministry. It was a ministry filled with fire and, and passion as he called people to repent and as he preached the kingdom of God. It was a very fiery, prophetic ministry. And so people thought he was one of the prophets come back. And in fact, uh, people believed the prophets would come back as a sign of the messianic age to come. But Jesus was not one of the prophets. He was Jesus. So when he says, who do you say I am? Well, what about you? He asked one of the great questions in all of history. 
a question that each one of us must answer for ourselves. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say I am, he asks us. Peter's, Peter pipes up and he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one, the one that God promised he would send. You are the Christ, the Messiah. The Old Testament uh, in the prophets tells us some different things about the Messiah, and, and it points to Jesus coming as the Messiah. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The prophet Jeremiah said this, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. Micah 5, 2 says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. They're pointing to this Messiah who's going to come, and Jesus was the fulfillment of those prophecies. And he went to the cross, and he suffered, and he died for our sins to forgive us. He took the punishment that our sins deserve so that we could be set free from the consequences of our sins. So everything we've ever said, thought, and done, everything contrary to the will of God, every disobedient act, every disobedient word, everything we've ever done can be forgiven. All the sins we've ever committed can be forgiven, past, present, and future, by the grace of God through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. That if you will believe in Him, repent from your sins, confess your faith, and be baptized, you will be freed and forgiven and saved to live forever with Him. This is Jesus. He is the Christ. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. And He has come to rescue us, to save us from our sins, and to save us from ourselves. Let's continue reading. Verse 17. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. What's interesting here is that um, uh, Jesus says to Peter, he changes his name from Simon to Peter, and in the Greek the word is Petros. It means rock. And he says, you are Peter, you are the rock, and on this rock I will build my church. Now, some have interpreted that to say as, as far as like uh, Peter being the first pope and papal succession. But that's not what Jesus has in mind here. Now, to be honest, uh, the, Jesus spoke Aramaic, and in the Aramaic, the word for Peter, the word for rock, is the same in both instances. It's not two different words. It's the same word. You are the rock, and on the rock I will build my church. And what he meant was that Peter was going to be foundational in the building and the, uh, uh, the growth of the church in the book of Acts. That's exactly what happens, right? Peter goes out and he preaches a powerful sermon on the day of Pentecost. He calls people to repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And 3,000 people were added to their number that day. 3,000 people were baptized on that day. Peter goes on and he uh, brings the gospel to the Gentiles. 
uh, at Cornelius' household. Peter's all over the book of Acts, and he is foundational to the start and the building of the church. Peter's an important guy in the book of Acts. And God works through Peter to lay the foundations for the church. We're standing on Peter's shoulders. We're here because Peter was used by God, and, and Peter was used by Jesus to build the church on. Now when he says, on you I will build my church, you are the foundation upon which I will build my church. He's not talking about a building. He's not talking about four walls. He's talking about the, the ecclesia. That is the Greek word for church. And it literally, it's the word in the Old Testament used for God's people. The church is people. We are the church. Like I said, it's not a building. It's not a service. It's us. We're the church. Hi, church. Hi, Sean. We're the church. And we are built on this foundation of Peter and the confession that he made that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That is the basis of our faith. That is the basis of our church. It's all about Jesus. And so he says, I will build my church on you. And the gates of Hades will not stand against it. The King James says gates of hell, uh, which is probably a poor translation. Hades was the realm of the dead. It was the realm, uh, uh, it was the Greek and Roman realm of the dead. It's where the dead, everyone who died went in Greek mythology. It was a very abysmal, dismal place. It wasn't a happy place. It was not heaven. It was not paradise. It was Hades. And he says, the gates of Hades will not overcome my church. The gates of Hades will not overcome my people. Now, what are gates used for? Keep people in or out, right? The gates of Hades that keep the dead in them will not prevail against my church. That even if people die, even if people die by the thousands, such as martyrs and those who are persecuted, even if people die by the thousands, the gates of Hades. Death cannot even overcome my church. The powers of darkness cannot overcome my church. The devil cannot overcome my church. Uh, false religions cannot overcome my church. Nothing can overcome my church, Jesus says. Not even death. Nothing can overcome my church, Jesus says. That's us. So the pundits may say the church is dying. People may be leaving in droves. 90% of churches are stagnant or declining. Thousands and thousands upon thousands of people are done. Millions have said, I have no religious affiliation whatsoever. And they're ready to write the eulogy of the church in America. But I believe that it is time that the church awakens. That the power of the Holy Spirit within us is rising up. That the best days of our church are ahead of us. And do you know why I believe that? Because I've seen it. I see people excited. So many people come to me and it's like, I have no idea who anyone is anymore. And I love it. And I said, you should get to know these people. They're your brothers and sisters. They're the church along with you. We should get to know one another. We should grow together and build our church together. It is time that the church awakens. And I believe that there is an awakening happening right here at GFCC, and you're a part of it. One of the coolest things, uh, this Christmas season proves it to me. 
we said, we're going to do a toy drive. I gave you two weeks' notice, right? Two weeks' notice, we're going to do a toy drive, and we're going to collect toys for the Griffith Emergency Fund to give kids a Merry Christmas. We collected over 160 toys in one week. 160 toys! See, people want to get, I believe that you want to get involved. I believe that you want to see lives transformed. I believe that you want to see lives changed through the power of God's grace. I believe that. And I see it happening. And then what did we do? We had this student Christmas dinner. We had 50, 50 to 55 kids show up from the Carmelite home, from Purdue Cal, from Valparaiso University, and from the flight school over here at the Griffith Airport. Five Chinese guys showed up. Awesome! It was great. They were very thankful. They loved it. It was so cool. We had all these people show up for this dinner. And they came and they ate. And we had people uh, playing Christmas carols and, and singing Christmas songs. We had a great time. People came and helped set up. And we had so many volunteers for this event. Why? Because we want to get involved. We don't want to just plop, pray, and pay. We want to get involved. We want to see a difference made. We want to make a difference in our community, and in our church, and in our world. That's what we want to see happen. And it's happening. And it is so exciting. I am so excited to be the minister of the Griffith First Christian Church. And I hope that you're excited to be a minister at the Griffith First Christian Church. You're thinking, what? That's right, you're a minister here. We believe in a priesthood of all believers, that every believer in Jesus Christ has a ministry of some kind. And if you haven't found your ministry yet, we need to find your ministry. We need to get you involved. You need to be a part of this. Because we're all about helping people follow Jesus. And that means everybody. The church is awakening. It is time that we move forward. 2016 is going to be an incredible year at GFCC. God is going before us. He is preparing the fields for harvest. We're going to see more people come to know Christ. We're going to do, so I got some ideas, folks. They're going to blow your minds. You're like, no more, man, please, no more. No, we're going to do some things in 2016. We're going to make a difference. We're going to, we're, we're going to make a difference. The church is awakening. And it is time to move forward. The, it is, the, the cloud's moving. The pillar of fire's moving. We are following we are following Jesus into the future until he returns. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are doing a mighty work here at GFCC. I thank you that you are changing lives and transforming us, making us more like your son, Jesus. I thank you for those who, have, who this year have put their faith in him for the first time and have been baptized and are following Jesus now. And I pray for those who are, who are still yet to come. I pray for the future of our church, that God, you would lead our leaders, that you would guide our leaders as we move forward into the future. We want to go with you. We want to follow you. We know that, that though things may look dark for the American church, that though things may look dark for the church in our world, that God, nothing can prevail against your church. For it is built on a foundation of faith, a faith that is unshakable, a faith that can never change uh, or, or be moved that God you yourself do not change and your word and your son and your church will prevail thank you God for this confession that Peter made this confession of faith that Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God thank you for making him our Lord and Savior and now I pray for those today who are 
contemplating putting their faith in Christ, then I ask that, God, you would give them that spiritual nudge to put their trust in Jesus. Thank you for your word today, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.